I was a college-educated nurse, a healthcare professional who had been swindled and scammed by these anti-vaccine websites and organizations. Welcome to On Medical Grounds. Our guest for this episode of White Coat Radicals is Melody Butler, here to talk with us about the vaccination advocacy community. Ms. Butler is founding executive director and president of the Nurses Who Vaccinate organization. A registered nurse and infection preventionist, she is currently serving as a member of the National Vaccine Advisory Committee. Hello, Ms. Butler, and welcome to On Medical Grounds. Thank you for having me here today. In 2011, you founded Nurses Who Vaccinate. What made you decide to form a nurse-driven organization to promote vaccinations? Well, that's a great question. So back in 2011, um, that's where the that's where we actually became um, an organization. But I want to rewind it a little bit and kind of give the setting as to why this came about. So during the 2009-2010 H1N1 flu outbreak, I was working as a registered nurse on the pediatric floor, and I was currently pregnant with one of my children. During this point, New York State, where I work, had made it um, made it a mandatory law that all healthcare workers needed to receive the required H1N1 influenza vaccine, um, and it was either you get the vaccine or you would be fired and terminated. So, as a pregnant mother, I thought I was doing my due diligence and doing some research about this brand new vaccine. And some of the information that I was coming across was actually quite alarming. Um, some websites were explaining that those who had participated in the clinical trials were um, experiencing adverse reactions, that there was a military base that had been involved, and everyone who had gotten the vaccine on this military base was very sick and in the hospital, and they were keeping it hush-hush. And long story short, um, everything I read scared me away from getting vaccinated. So I made made the decision at the time to not receive it, and I was willing to face the brunt of being terminated. I thankfully had a clinical nurse educator who uh, was very patient and very, um, very straightforward and great at explaining science, who found out that I was afraid and going to refuse the vaccine. So she asked me, and this is a conversation that took place over a couple of shifts, right? So it's not like this is a one, one-time deal conversation. So over the course of the, of the conversations, she had asked me for the websites I was basing my decision on. So I brought up the websites, we discussed them, and she was able to show me how even though these websites were, were portraying themselves to be uh, health websites ran by medical experts, when we really dug deep, we found out that these websites did not have the credentials that they claimed to have. They were being promoted or ran by nutritionists, chiropractors. They were being ran by, maybe if they were ran by a doctor, they were a doctor who specialized in nephrology, right? None of them were immunologists, infectious disease doctors, vaccine specialists, or even pediatricians. So once she gave me a clear picture as to why these websites were promoting false information and how we really couldn't take what they were saying. And when we dug down into their, their sources, it was, there was nowhere to be, you know, it was debunkable. She then led me to what the CDC was saying at the time and the current research and the evidence that showed that as a pregnant mother, 
I was most at risk for complications for H1N1, that had I continued to refuse the vaccine, I'm putting myself and my child at risk, possibly even you know, at risk for a possible miscarriage, ending up in the hospital, or even death. So after this you know, conversation, this discourse over a couple of shifts, I finally felt comfortable to get the vaccine. That's a really interesting personal history. So you had a dog in this fight, as we say. Yes, yes. So once I received the vaccine, I was very grateful I did. I don't know if you remember this, but New York State ended up recalling the mandate because they ran out of enough vaccines. So here we were at the point where now people who were refusing the vaccines now found themselves they couldn't get it. I had a friend who was pregnant with me. Um, but sometimes when you're pregnant, you find similar pregnancy buddies, right? And you collab, you know, you guys talk with each other and, you know, you kind of keep each other up to date with how are you feeling? What do you, you know, how's everything going with you? She lived upstate New York and in her region, it was actually very difficult to find the H1N1 vaccine. By the time she was able to receive it, it actually was too late. She had already caught it. Actually on her appointment date for the vaccine, she ended up being in the hospital. Um, and she was pregnant with twins at this point. Unfortunately, due to the virus, she ended up losing one of her twins um, and she suffered a miscarriage. And to, to you know, see my friend go through this horrific loss and then know that I could have willingly put myself in such a dangerous situation because I was basing my decision on misinformation was some, something that always stuck with me and I've never lost. So, you know, I, I carry that with me. Um, like, not, I don't want to say guilt, but just like that feeling like, oh my God, you know, that, that could have been me. Sure. Sure. Well, that's, that's a heartbreaking story. Yeah. And it's, and it's so eye-opening. here. I was a college educated nurse, a profession, a healthcare professional who had been swindled and scammed by this, by these anti-vaccine websites and organizations. So then fast forward a couple of months later, I am on Facebook and I came across a Facebook group and page that was called nurses who don't vaccinate nurses against vaccine. I think it was nurses who don't vaccinate or nurses against vaccines, something, something of that nature. And they were sharing the same type of misinformation that I had previously seen with the flu season, outdated, re outdated websites, um, purposely misdrewing facts, you know, cherry picking data and statistics. And I thought I was doing the right thing, just like my um, very compassionate and, um, you know, compelling nurse educator, clinical educator had done to me. She reached out to me to help guide me. I thought I would extend the favor and reach out to these fellow nursing colleagues. And I wrote to them explaining, Hey, just wanted to let you know what you're sharing is misinformation. It's outdated. Here's what the science really says. You know, I think it's our due diligence as healthcare professionals to make sure we share accurate and up-to-date information. And um, their response was my first encounter with how vile and um, entrapped some of these anti-vaccine individuals, individuals could be. And it was not met um, with much uh, reception. Actually, um, I got a lot of hate mail and threats. And it um, from there, it kind of snowballed. Um, and instead of running away and being afraid, I saw this as an opportunity to counter all this misinformation. So I at that moment, created Nurses Who Vaccinate. Uh, we started as a very simple Facebook page. From there, we turned into a group, and now we are a membership organization. We have over thousands of members, members from all over the world, 
we range the nursing spectrum from pediatrics to geriatrics to wound care, uh, home care, nursing homes, you know, you name it. We, we have a nurse who works in that field as part of our organization. So you're saying you cover not just vaccinations, but, but medicine in general, depending on the, the interest of the nurses involved. Well, our pri- primarily focus is vaccines, but we what you come to realize is as a nurse, no matter what your role is in the nursing profession, there's always an opportunity to advocate for vaccines. Mm-hmm. So every type of nurse has a platform. No matter, you don't just have to be a pediatric or school nurse to you care about pediatric vaccinations. You know, when you're working with the um, the, the older adults, the the elderly population, they have grandchildren, so it's important to advocate for your patients to make sure that their grandchildren are up to date for on their vaccines. For example, there's so many different types of opportunities for nursing uh, for vaccine advocacy within the different fields of nursing. Mm-hmm, I see. So, how does nurses who vaccinate fight COVID nineteen misinformation and quack medicine? That's a great question. We do it. We, we've learned is one, to be ahead of the game and be proactive. We want to make sure we're putting out the latest and greatest research that's happening, being transparent about the clinical trials and the process that go, that's involved with the vaccine studies and the vaccine science, and making sure that we are available for you know questions and concerns. So what we have found is we'll put the information out there, but what, what, what really works best is one-on-one education with the patients and their families. And that can be hard. So there's many different avenues we in the organization can take. So we help to position nurses to become champions for vaccines in their workplace, in their community, and on social media. And it's so important that we are on these forefronts because those are all that's where all our patients and our community members are, and that's where everyone's looking for information. So if we're not there you're going to have this gap that's being filled by individuals promoting misinformation. And it's so important that we as nurses are making ourselves available to be there to stop misinformation and provide the evidence-based research. So you mentioned the workplace. What advice do you have for a fellow nurse who might find themselves in a situation with a colleague who is spreading misinformation? So there's a lot of different techniques you can take. Um, If the colleague is talking among themselves, among other colleagues about myths and rumors, you can ask, you know, you could, you can interject and you can um, correct them right there in the spot. But of course, when people are being challenged with the, uh, you know, with their views and whatnot, they're going to be defensive. So that's not going to be always the most um, conducive environment. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to maybe try to talk to that nurse one-on-one, you know, because when you're, when you're talking in front of our group, that person's going to be on a, in, in a defensive position. So it's so important that you're, you're not putting them in that position where they feel like they can't learn, right? Like my clinical nurse educator, she approached me individually. It wasn't in front of the whole group. It wasn't in front of the team. She came to me and she came to me out of a place of concern. She was worried about me and she was worried about the baby. You know, that's something that always stuck with me. And that's something that we need to make sure we share with our colleagues when we're approaching them. It's not that we're trying to approach them because we feel they're, we're right and they're wrong. It's because we care about them, right? We don't want them to go home sick or bring home that dis- disease to their family or you know, potentially put their family and patients at risk. Um, so that that's needs to be on the forefront, the fact that we're trying to share with them the proper information because we care about them. 
And then, you know, from there, then it leads to maybe a more in-depth conversation. So what if this person that's spreading misinformation is, say, your physician or someone that is, uh, is over you? Is the approach different? Are you asking like in terms of like a supervisor? Right. What if it's your supervisor or your boss that is spreading misinformation? You know what? You know, I, I really do feel, and this may be something that maybe not everyone feels in the nursing field. They're really, granted, well, you may have supervisors and managers on paper. We're all one big team. I've never felt like anyone was really ever above me. Someone may have more experience. I may, I may go to them as a mentor, but I never have been in a situation where I feel like I couldn't approach that person and give them, you know, maybe provide um, maybe um, some information that I felt they needed to have. Um, and maybe that's something I've developed during my nursing career to be that out, outspoken, say something if something's wrong kind of person. Um, and that's maybe an attitude we can maybe mm -hmm. help generate among the nursing profession to not be afraid to approach and coach, right? That's a, a nice ter a term to use. To, you're helping someone regardless of who they are. Like for example, I work as an infection preventionist as my full-time job. I run nurses of vaccinate in my quote unquote spare time, as much spare time as a mother of four can have, right? So during my role as an infection preventionist, I have to go up to anyone and everyone in the hospital who may or may not be complying with infection prevention policies. So that may be approaching a head surgeon who maybe did not wash their hands for a full 20 seconds after coming out of a room, patient's room who has C. diff, right? I can't be afraid because if I don't, if I don't stop that line of potential transmission, I'm putting not only that physician at risk, but all the other patients they're going to see for that day at risk, right? So I need to feel comfortable with myself and in my knowledge base to go up to that physician and say, hi, my name is Melody Butler. I'm here. I'm an infection preventionist. And I did observe you not wash your hands for the full, you know, required 20 seconds for the hand hygiene. And um, most of the time they're receptive. Maybe they were distracted or they didn't realize what the, the correct technique was. And they go about, they rewash their hands, they go about their day and everything's good. So the same kind of technique needs to be used if we have a supervisor or a physician who's sharing misinformation. You know, you go up to them. You want, you need to feel comfortable with yourself and have an established base of expertise, right? So if someone's saying something that's questionable, but you're not entirely sure, you know, you can do your own research and re reach, for example, reach out to nurses vaccinate or other healthcare or va um, immune vaccine um, advocacy organizations to equip yourself with the proper information and then reach out to that particular individual and let them know that, you know, I thought about what you said that particular day when you were saying such and such about vaccines and I went ahead and I looked into it and I would like to let you know as a colleague that what you're saying is outdated, misinformed, incorrect, whatever the case may be. Um, we cannot be afraid of anyone if they're sharing misinformation. Um, and that just, it really, it comes with experience and it comes to building our confidence. And the best way to do that is to educate yourself and stay up to date on all the latest updates and stay up to date all the current information. Um, and it's hard. It can be absolutely hard, especially if vaccines is not your, you know, you're have a specialty, like maybe like, you know, you're a maternal child nurse and you need to stay up to date with your competencies for, you know, 
delivering babies, for example, but it's also our due diligence to stay up to date on these preventative medicine techniques. What were you hoping that I would ask you today? So I was hoping that uh, I would be asked ways that nurses can use all this great information and be better vaccine advocates in their communities, workplace, and in social media. All right. How about how about a non-professional? How about a family or a friend who is seeing a doctor who is an anti-vaxxer or is dealing in misinformation? How would you talk to them and educate them to make them safe? That's a good question. So everyone has um, their specialty, right? So perhaps that patient, that family member is seeing a cardiologist or a plastic surgeon. And maybe that individual is really good at what they do. Maybe they're a fantastic cardiologist. Maybe they're they're at the top of their game at surgery. But unless they're an immunologist or a vaccine specialist, um, they may not be up to date on vaccine research. And that's okay. They don't, it, it may not be on them to correct them because that family member may not feel comfortable with that. But as long as they know where to go for the right information, it's going to make all the difference. So it's important that your family members, your friends, your community members, they know that you can be that source of information if they hear something questionable from whoever it is. Maybe it's their chiropractor. Maybe it's their massage therapist. Um, you know, may- maybe it's, it's a doctor who specializes in something outside the realm of vaccines. But if they hear something, they know that they can come to you to either help better explain the situation or they know that you can help them do the research to find out what the answers are to their questions. Ms. Butler, we appreciate your efforts to advocate for vaccinations and educate others. We will have a link to your website available on our podcast site. Thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule to speak with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening to On Medical Grounds. We know your time is valuable. The resources that were referred to in this podcast can be found at onmedicalgrounds.com. Please be sure to click the subscribe button to be alerted when we post new content. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and review it and share it with your friends and colleagues. This podcast is protected by copyright and may be freely used without modification for educational purposes. To find more information or to inquire about commercial use, please visit our website on medicalgrounds.com.